You think you can listen to a podcast about a 1970s anime called Speed Racer that doesn't do well at the box office? Doesn't work like that. Just because it flopped at the box office, that's just not how things are. Speed Racer. It tanked. It's a summer flopbuster. It's in the basket. The Rider's Bagel Basket. John Goodman, by the way. Tear me apart, Lisa! You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Sorry, Jeff. You lose. It was Professor Plum. I said Plum. The men you seek think you are dead, Kimosabe. We're going to pass you the starter, the Bernoulli Convergenator. If he puts the car in fifth gear, he can jumpstart the whole thing. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kurland, and we are at the end of Summer Flopbusters. All summer long, we've been doing movies that tanked at the box office. And my guest host for this episode of Speed Racer is someone who was on our Golden Girls episode and our Quantum Leap. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm David Prescott. <laughs> Welcome back, David. You you just got done with a play, didn't you? I did. I just uh, directed the Queen musical, We Will Rock You. So, I'm sorry that you had to follow, follow up doing something really great with watching something really terrible. I love Speed Racer, so I'm alright. I, I love and hate it. I laid it. Yeah. I loathe it. Love it. Leave it. Yeah, it's one of those movies. That's uh, fair. That's fair. So, David, I wrote these blurbs all summer long to give a little backstory of the movie that we're watching. Ah. So, this is Speed Racer. Here's a little backstory on Speed Racer. The Wachowskis, classic anime and a big Hollywood budget. What could go wrong? Well, that's what Warner Brothers thought when they made Speed Racer, based on to Toshado Yoshida, anime of the same name. Lana and Lily Wachowski were fresh off the Matrix trilogy, and Warner Brothers told them they could make anything they wanted. Right away they said, Speed Racer, having grown up loving the cartoon. Warner Brothers said absolutely and gave them a budget of $120 million. What they couldn't anticipate is opening the uh, a week after the first Iron Man movie in 2009, or 2008. The Wachowski's all-star cast and bright visuals couldn't make up for a hard-to-follow plot and fast-paced editing. The script went over the heads of the aimed 10-year-old audience. The studio pulled the film after three weeks, trying to shake off the loss of almost $40 million. Warner Brothers was trying to figure out where they went wrong and looked back to who they originally courted for the film. Directors like Alfonso Cuaron, Julian Temple, and Gus Van Sant were all contacted for this movie. Maybe that was part of the problem. Also, actors like Johnny Depp, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Shia LaBeouf, and Zac Efron were courted for Speed Racer and all said no. Vince Vaughn and Keanu Reeves as Racer X, they also said no. Maybe Warner Brothers dwelled too much because they were trying to go in for a new trilogy. And that's why they tapped the Wachowskis for both sequels and for the first film. No matter how you slice it, Speed Racer was a disaster. And a summer flop. So, want to talk about Speed Racer? Yeah, I, see, I like 
the film a lot. Um, we saw it together when it first came out. Yeah. It was just translated to film really well, visually. Visually, uh, I think the fact that it was written like a serious drama was part of the problem. That was the problem. It, it got way too serious. Because <laughs> there's a line in the movie where Speed goes, I was thinking about our future, and Chim Chim goes, eek, eek. And he goes, yes, even you, Chim Chim. You can't say that line seriously. Yeah, there there were way too many serious moments. And John Goodman, he he looks less like Pops and more like Mario. Yeah, it was awkward that it was like old John Goodman in a bad wig. And a... with his real mustache. <laughs> and it was just very awkward. <laughs> and do you want to go through the cast? Like, the cast is actually pretty good. The cast is great. So, so John Goodman and, and his wife, Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon in this movie. Man, the dresses on her. Yeah, yeah. Lots lots of exaggerated décolletage <laughs> on Miss Sarandon in this film. Susan Sarandon looks like... She looks like, why am I here? But at the same time, I'm like half mom half pinup model yeah yeah and then you have christina ricci who this was 2008 so this is fresh off of black snake moan mm-hmm. which i think they they pulled these actors because they were just in award-winning films right or award nominated because emile hirsch got this right after into the wild mm-hmm. and she got this after black snake moan john goodman is always in something. Yeah, always in something nominated for awards. And Susan Sarandon, I mean, this probably was the time where, like, um, well, I think this was the time when she was, like, breaking up with Tim Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Su- th- those those f- four alone, you wonder why they're in this movie. Right. And then on top of that, you have Not-So-Tim Curry, Roger Allen, who I love, and who is really so perfect for this part, though. He's great. But you could tell they wanted Tim Curry, like the way he's playing it. Right. But Tim Tim Curry, who I, who I adore, has not been in performing form for quite a while. But this was before his stroke, so... So, like, like everything that, that... But Tim Curry had just come off of Scary Movie 3 or something. No, this, this was point. right after Spamalot. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. This was the time of Spamalot. But the way that, that he's playing it, Roger, is it Alum? Yeah. He sounds like Tim Curry is like, now if you would excuse well, he, me. It, he's, he's an older English man. There's With nothing he could do about what he sounds his, like. His hair, his big chompers, like those teeth are some pearly whites. Well, like, those are that's just Roger Allen. That's just who he is. He, I, okay, I always thought he was like Tim Curry. Like, that's like, why I love him. I love them both. But it would have been better if it was Tim Curry because then you would have Susan Sarandon and him reuniting. This is true. And Barry Boswick as Sparky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the the guy who plays Sparky. This is the second time we we've talked about a movie we just did, Edge of. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which he was in, the mm-hmm. Tom Cruise one. Uh, and the guy's name is Kick Geary. <laughs> <laughs> Kick 
Kick Gary is his name. Yeah. And Quite the name. Yeah. Quite the name. But but he's like the stereotypical like Australian actor. He's like, I have now have spade. <laughs> Goodbye. Like <laughs> like his his accent goes from being Australian to at points being Boston. He, he yeah he's he's very like. Let's let us let us make a new crocodile Dundee. Gadai. Right. Gadai in the life of Spacky. <laughs> there is a specific reason why you were here, besides the fact that we saw this in theaters together. Mm-hmm. You love the visuals on this. I do, I love them. I think I think that the visuals of this film are exactly what they should have been. Um Except if you want to have a seizure. Well yeah. They're a little <laughs> they're a little uh you know, motion sickness inducing. Well, um, do you th- do you think that was part of the reason why I got pulled? Like, like a, an usher walks into a theater and like everyone's on the floor salivating and like shaking. It was slightly difficult to watch. Like, I love the visuals. The only thing that got a problem, I think, the biggest problem was the in between stuff in this movie is great. Like the scenes where they're having action dialogue, as I'm gonna call it. Um, where it's, like, like, really intense, and you start getting those really cool, like, we're starting to turn, and now the stuff's swirling all around. Like, where they're in the future, but it's the past. Yeah, Yeah. the flashbacks, and the intense talks with Roger Allen. Um, those scenes are perfect. Then you've got the, like, super serious, ridiculous scenes that are too serious. With Spurtle and Chim Chim. And then you've got, um, the race scenes that are just too visually fast-paced. With Spurtle and Chim Chim? So you can almost (laughs) not tell what's going on, and it's all happening so visually fast that it's super motion sickness-inducing. Like Spurtle and Chim Chim. Right. I could... Okay, so Spurtle is played by Polly Lit. Spurtle is... So Speed was the younger brother... Spritzle. Spritzle. It's Spritzle. It's Spritzle. It's Spritzle. I gotta look this up because because I thought they said Spritzle. I'm it, pretty sure it's Spritzle. That this kid. How did you describe him? He's like a Catskills comedian. He's like already a middle-aged Jewish comedian. <laughs> Boca, I hardly know her. He just like he belongs on the Johnny Carson show. The way he talks to Susan Sarandon. The way he talks to Susan Sarandon <laughs> is like, you're killing me. He's oh the my. only one in the movie who talks to Susan Sarandon like he doesn't want to have sex with her. Su- okay, yeah. The- Every Su- conversation between Susan Sarandon and her on-screen son is so sexually charged. Yeah, her her and Emile Hirsch, like, they, they have a chemistry that shouldn't be chemistry. They're yeah. like... She's like, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud. Well, he also he also like whisper sexual talks to everybody in this movie, and that's part of the too intense, weird, not cartoony stuff that goes yeah, on here. Okay, so I was saying to you while we were watching it that Joseph Gordon-Levitt should have been in this role, not realizing that they courted him. He should have done it. Yeah, like, he would have been great. Because at this time he was doing like GI Joe: Rise of Cobra. I would have done this instead. Oh, 100%. And I feel like the film may have done better if it had Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, it needed more energy. It needed more brightness. 
I think is that it was just too Spriddle. dark. It's Spriddle. Is it Spriddle? I thought he was saying Spritzel. It is Spriddle. Spritle? Sprite? It's Spritle. It's Spritle because I was going to make a joke about Spritle. Stop touching me. <laughs> I was going to make a Fiddler on the Roof joke. But, okay, so the kid who plays him is Polly Lit. And he's, I bet he's a great person, I'm sure. <laughs> But his acting in this movie, every time he just came on the screen, I was like, man, I'm waiting for that monkey to punch him. Yeah. Yeah. It and felt like they wanted the the kid who was in the cat in the hat. Probably. <laughs> but that kid at this time was in um The Happening. That's a, a Spencer oh, Breslin. Oh, The Happening. Good Lord in heaven, The Happening. Yeah, there's a reason why we didn't do it on the Oh, God, The Happening. <laughs> so many people I love in such a horrendously awful film. What? No. Oh my God, Betty Buckley. Oh, I Betty. see you. I and my lemon drink. What? Who? No. This is the second time we talk talked about Betty Buckley on the podcast. Because, I do love Betty Buckley because we did Oz. We did an episode of Oz, and Betty Buckley was in it. I love her. I really do. But. Spriddle, this kid. Okay, so Polly Lit. Uh, every scene he's in, uh, like, you mentioned Catskillish, you know, comedian, but not he's just. very old school Don he... Rickles kind of humor physicality. <laughs> well, what, there's one scene where he's wearing a tuxedo, and I was like, oh, look, little Leah Delari. <laughs> 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 like, he, he looks like, uh, what's her name from, uh, uh, who was the character that Leah Delaria used to like the old cat skilly comedian that she used to do in bits and stand up bits? I have no idea. The one with the mustache. She brought it back for a regrets music video. I have no idea. But she she looked he looked like that. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Oh man. Yeah. And John Goodman, the way he acts with, with Spriddle, the way that everyone treats this kid like he's the most important thing in the movie. Isn't the movie called Speed Racer? Yep. <laughs> it it's called that. The the <laughs> other thing that that also may shock you is this came out in IMAX 3D. Yeah, I could not have handled that. People must have been like getting violently ill. I would have gotten violently ill. Like this was the Wachowskis and this does not feel like a Lana and Lily Wachowski movie. I um have never seen The Matrix. But did you see Cloud Atlas? I did not see Cloud Atlas. You you be you not messing with the true true? I That's how they talk. They're like, I'm a messing with the true true. <laughs> like Oh. But it <laughs> it takes place in different time periods and in one of the time periods I need to see it. I've been meaning to see it forever. One of the time periods they all talk like Sling Blade. That's like in the uh-huh. way future, and that's where Tom Hanks is a hero. Mm-hmm. And then in one one of the futures, Hugo Weaving is like uh, a ma- uh, female nurse and kind of looks like Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. But, yeah. Um, so you haven't seen anything other than Speed Racer from the Wachowskis? This is true, yeah. Wait, I thought you said Bound. I don't know what that is. That was the one with Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly, where they're they're lovers and they want to kill Jennifer Tilly's mobster husband. I don't think I've seen that. You would love it. 
Um, it sounds like something I would love. <laughs> well, that's how they got to make The Matrix. But this feels like it's half like... You You mentioned Lazy Town. It does have a little bit of a Lazy Town feel. Mixed with The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it... Yeah, it needed to be lighter. It didn't it didn't feel like it knew what its audience was. Like was it playing to the now middle-aged people who watched this cartoon or was it playing to actual children or was it playing to fans of the actors in the film? It it felt too all over the place. For people who said that they grew up watching the cartoon, yeah, they captured the look of the cartoon, but they Mm -hmm. did not capture the dialogue. No. And maybe they shouldn't have written. Like, maybe they should have got someone like Edgar Wright to write this screenplay. It slowed down too often. And It really did. And how serious Emile Hirsch gets in his monologues. He's only ever serious. I haven't been thrown like that in years. What are you doing here? The inspector told me what happened. I came looking for you. Why would you care? Because you're a fighter and a friend. Why don't you just tell me the truth? You're Rex, aren't you? You mean your brother? You first appeared two years after Rex died. You drive just like him. You knew I'd be here because this is where he always used to take me. Just tell me the truth. Yeah, and that line that I was mentioning, him going like, I made this decision for my family and for you, all of you. I was thinking of each and every single one of you. Monkey noise, monkey noise. Yes, even you, Chim Chim. You can't say that serious. No, no, it needed to be a little more tongue-in-cheek. The only one who actually got that this was like a kid's cartoon was Christina Ricci. Yeah, or was that just Christina Ricci? Is that just the only mode that Christina Ricci I has? I loved how, okay, when we were watching it, you referred to her as, what did you call her? What did I call her? You called her pale. Oh, yeah, well, no, because because uh, Ariel Winter plays young Christina Ricci, and I mentioned that we now know that Ariel Winter does not grow up to be a skinny, pale coke horn <laughs> like Christina Ricci. Where's your friend? Her name's Trixie. She's in my class. Hi. Pleasure to meet you, young lady. Hey, Pops. A guy told me to give this to you. Says he was a big fan. Oh, a fan, is it? Well, it's not every day we get people with such good taste around here. <laughs> Where is he? He was in a hurry driving a 68 Fenderson. Sweet set of wheels. Let me see that. <laughs> No, but like Christina Ricci, the whole movie, she does have these, she has these huge like anime style eyes. I didn't. Those are just her eyes. Well, okay, they are. Those are just her eyes, but it did sort of feel like, ooh, did they make her eye? But they didn't do it to anybody else's eyes. So I think it's just Christina Ricci's crazy giant eyes. (laughs) I feel bad for her in this movie. The whole movie, all she wants, she doesn't want anything serious. She doesn't want no diamond ring. She just wants a smooch. And she just wants a big old smooch at the end of the race. And she gets so like treated like garbage the whole movie. He's like, I really do love you. But do you? The character development is bad. I'm a I'm I'm just like a really big visuals guy. Like I'm an art designer 
visuals person. So, But you also understand pacing and tone. I and... do. I do. I think that like when I saw it, I could overlook all of those things because I was just enjoying what I was looking at. But it's certainly not the kind of movie that stands the test of time and you watch it over and over yeah, again. Like, There's nothing to come back to. The visuals alone don't hold up. The, the, the CGI looks, this day and age, it looks too cartoony. But I think that works for the style of movie that it is. Yeah, but I think they were trying to make it look real. Like, like some of the stuff, the detail, they were trying to make it look good, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, and... Matt? It felt very video gamey a lot of the time, it did. but I think it worked because of what it was. And honestly, this this would have been a movie that would have benefited from like Robert Zemeckis style motion capture, like mm-hmm. like um what was going on at the time? Like this was would have been after Polar Express, but probably around the time of Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Like if they did that type of mocap this movie would have been a million times better if it kind of felt real, but at the same time, you know that it was a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And then there's Matthew Fox <laughs> doing his best Keanu Reeves impression. Yeah, yeah. Because Keanu Reeves, like Lana and Lily uh, Wachowski, they were trying so hard to get Keanu, and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great Keanu impression. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what? No. 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 Definitely not. Yeah. I'm driving a what? Nope. I take public transportation. <laughs> he does. He's a huge... like. Oh, Keanu. He either drives his motorcycle or he'll take the bus. If, if it's not, you know, reaching 50 miles per hour. Yeah. um so in the actual movie the whole it's very hard to follow because you have you have these three races that don't fit into what a race is right because there's the beginning race where he's breaking rex's thing then oh and then there's the fiji race that we don't even get to see right we sort of see it it plays too much for a kid's movie it plays way too much with jumping around in time and like the first race you're seeing both speed's race and his brother rex's race and there's hardly any differentiation between the two so it's sort of hard to tell they just have like they've cgi'd susan sarandon's neck (laughs) to make her look a little younger that's about it um but then you have the fuji race where you're seeing part of the he's having a conversation you're seeing some of the race you see the race and a whole bunch of stuff happens within that time frame but then they jump back to the time frame where they're talking about the fuji race which is going to happen in the future and it takes it there's too much in between that it's not like a clean back and forth and there's too much of that there's too much all over the place the problem is this is a kids movie that feels like you know an r-rated movie and it's all about the corporate greed like there's a whole scene where they're talking about the intricacies 
they're talking about the intricacies of the stock market and buying up other companies in or- and it's like kids do not understand what the hell you're talking about right now there's that one kid you know that like there's a million kids in the world but then there's that one kid who's like i got it yeah i understand it completely stock trade franchising fees i get it like i can't watch any of those movies that are talking about like the big hostile takeovers and the blah 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 i'm like oh you lost me now i'm done yeah but there always is that one kid whose favorite movie is moneyball or the big short <laughs> <laughs> like that it's that kid who had like a sleepover when it's like midnight he's like it's tomorrow now <laughs> <laughs> you're like who invited you? Why are you here? <laughs> um, but this movie, so Speed Racer came out the same year as I mentioned with Iron Man. Iron Man came out a week before, but then like three weeks, uh, two weeks later was Kung Fu Panda, and a week after that was Wally. So those oh, are two better kids movies. Much better. Yeah, I love Wally. I love Kung Fu Panda. Like, but I'm all right with it. Just the message of, you know, you had a bunch of white people playing Asian animals. (laughs) James Hong is in the movie, (laughs) Jackie Chan and Lucy Liu. Oh, there's three Asians in this movie. It's okay that all the main characters are white. It's okay that Dustin Hoffman is. (laughs) But you had the specialness all inside you. (laughs) You were what makes it special. But then, yeah, you had Wally. You had, um, oh, you had Indiana Jones and the kingdom of disappointment yeah i yeah it was sad but it's a sad film like like this this year everyone thought the movies that were going to be huge in 2008 were not the movies that ended up being big like the three movies that they thought were going to be huge mm-hmm. were this one speed racer right kingdom of the crystal skull right and then the incredible hulk uh the ed norton one which it didn't do terrible, but you know, it didn't do great. I just don't think there's enough there to tell a story that anybody cares about ever with the Hulk. He's a background character. Well, the same thing could be said about Speed Racer because honestly, this movie is about Emil Hirsch, and we barely see him, even though he's in every frame. Right. Like he is the most unforgettable—I mean, the most forgettable character in the whole movie. And the movie's called Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he should be the one who has most of the dialogue, and he barely talks. I think he says about 50 words the entire movie. The thing we have to give them props for, though, I think, is... No, we don't! (laughs) The whole plot line of his brother dying, but they never find his body or whatever, so he might still be alive. Well, they do address that. Right, but then they've got Racer X... Rex. Racer Rex. And so you think that maybe he's Rex. Rex. And so it's like building up to that the whole movie. And then he takes his thing off and he's like, nope. And then ain't you... me. Like, it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be this big reveal that I've been alive the whole time. And I think that's really cool. But then you find out Racer X is Rex because he had the plastic surgery. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, that that's what. See, this is why we should have. <laughs> So, so so it was taking longer we 
this movie is two hours and 15 It's way too long. And, this and, is probably another big problem. with the, the more we talk about it, the more I realize how terrible this movie is. <laughs> that happened when uh, when Mallory was on and we talked about Rock of Ages. <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, let's do that. I love that movie. Even oh, though I it... haven't seen that. And, and the more... The more we talked about it, the more you would just hear her like dying on the inside, like yeah. more disgruntled she becomes. But yeah, so so at the two minute mark, I just turned to David. I'm like, do you want to start recording? He, you know he's going to win the race. So what happens is you find out that as as Racer X is watching the race, he goes back to him as Rex driving away, blowing up his car going with the the um uh inspector detective who of uh unknown origin because we don't know if where this oh, guy's yeah, from he's, he's all over the map as far as nationalities go <laughs> yeah. um and then he's like are you sure you want to do this and then the next scene is him getting plastic surgery to look like matthew fox Oh, why don't I remember that? I should have remembered that. So never mind, they don't get props. They did a really cool thing, and then they went back on it. Yeah, <laughs> because I would have loved for them to be like, okay, who do you want to look at? Look like? And Rex is watching uh, Lost, and he goes, that guy. That guy. Yeah. Everybody loves that doctor on that island. I want to look like him. They're totally not going to be dead at the end of the entire series. Whoopsie-daisy. Oh, spoiler alert. They had years to see Lost. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the whole Racer X of it. What do you mean they're all dead? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's it. Oh, uh, you did it. You did it. I can't now, be around you when you do this. Now you've done Reveal it, Scott. All the secrets. You've ruined all the secrets. <laughs> was that real was that a real moment i have I can't no tell. idea no she's no, coming okay. back she's it coming wasn't back. a real moment we're good i remembered i had stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> um no but yeah uh i wouldn't have cast matthew fox in this role there are like john goodman yeah i definitely would have casted him as pops um susan sarandon shouldn't really add anything christina ricci <sighs> she's just so goofy looking I, I I always had a crush on Christina Ricci, like like Casper when I was younger. I had a oh Casper. Well, Casper Christina Ricci is different. She clearly wasn't snorting coke yet. Jesus Christ! You don't get that kind of skinny and weird looking. Like it's clearly she's not meant to be that skinny. There are skinny people who it's like, yeah, you're really skinny, but clearly you were born to be that skinny. <laughs> Christina Ricci, she gets that skinny and her eyeballs are popping out. And her teeth look crazy. <laughs> That's how you know she's snorting cocaine. That's how you know. It's not right. She doesn't look right. Jesus. And now she's playing Lizzie Borden <laughs> for the uh, rest of her life. Well, she's also playing Zelda Fitzgerald. I don't know who that is. Who's that? Zelda Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife? Oh, in what? Zelda with a Z. Oh, is that like Liza with a Z? Yeah, it had to be. <laughs> um, but I I didn't mind Christina Ricci, John Goodman, yeah. Um, Emil Hirsch was is, not right for that. Was role. not right in Matthew. He was Paul. right for that role in that version of the movie. If you still want the overly dramatic, 
but snooze I, fest, then he was right for it. But but this should have been like a Joseph Gordon-Levitt, or a, even though I hate Shia LaBeouf, maybe a Shia. What was Shia doing at this point, though? Kingdom of Disappointment, Indiana Jones. Oh right, yeah. No, I don't think I don't think Shia was right for it. I think I think you're right with the Joseph Gordon-Levitt call. Joseph Gordon-Levitt definitely. Uh, I mean, if, if, uh, Zach Efron. They mentioned Zach Efron. He would have been fine. He could have done it, yeah. Because this was like seventeen again, Zach Efron. Right, I didn't see that movie. Uh, High School Musical three, Zach Efron. I saw the first one. That was enough. <laughs> I don't mind the first one, but I don't need to see the third one. And and then, like, the supporting actors, they got, like, little-known actors to be bigger roles than they needed to be. Like, Rain, the the Asian R&B recording artist, played the the third one, who was... I don't even remember his name. He was so unforgettable. Oh, he played that racer who, like... Who who ends up turning on them. Oh. Who wins, and then you find out that he He's did it He's secretly for... famous? In, in like japan he's oh. huge he's like that was them trying to make it okay that they had no asian people in the lead roles of an anime film <laughs> well they now see i understand the argument that like most animes um draw their characters caucasian and so th- they're not physically represented is that why as when Japanese Ghost in Shell characters. came out they didn't mind in in Japan that that Scarlett Johansson well I also well they did mind everybody minded and got so angry I didn't mind but everybody was very upset the movie was terrible though I didn't mind it but also when she was younger she was Japanese and so for me it's like they literally stole her identity in the film and turned her into a white girl. So isn't that sort of... But what is their excuse I mean? here? Their excuse here is nobody cared yet. <laughs> I cared. I mean, there were plenty... They could have easily gone with... Oh, they could have gone with John Cho. John Cho. But look at but look at Pop. Look at the way that they're designed. I mean, the characters are visually very Caucasian in that Spirtle. anime. Definitely. Yeah, they're very. Yeah, but would oh they have a BMI higher than twenty eight? <laughs> they're clearly American. <laughs> and and um, DiCaprio at one point was being considered for who? For Speed Racer. How old was he at this point? Way too old. This was departed him. Like no, he's so old. They wanted Johnny Depp. He's way too old. What are they out of their minds? I I don't know. I wasn't writing this movie. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so the the big race is not even the Grand Prix. Like the Grand Prix is shorter than what the big race is. The big race is that illegal road race that is apparently being televised. Oh right, that giant. Is it illegal? They said that it was a dirty race. Like a back alley, blah, blah, blah. The black market race or something like that. That was a great race, though. See, that one they filmed well. Yeah. They took their time. We could tell what was going on. Because it wasn't on the racetrack that looked like Hot Wheels. Like, they clearly... (laughs) Right. They clearly made that racetrack to sell Hot Wheels. Mm -hmm. This is true. This is true. Like this in in Green Lantern, I have a problem with like they they just do stuff to sell Hot Wheels toys. Oh, Green Lantern! Oh my! 
Yeah, you're lucky I didn't make you do that one. I love that they flat out made fun of Green Lantern in Deadpool 2. Oh, he always makes oh fun of Oh my god, I loved it. It he was didn't a great wanna, moment. He didn't, he didn't want to, Ryan Reynolds never wanted to be Green Lantern. But, but Emil yeah, Hirsch. Yeah, well, I bet his paid, <laughs> his bank account didn't mind. Emil Hirsch lobbied for this role. And it baffles my mind because Emil Hirsch has done comedy since then. What has he done since then? He's he's okay. So he did. I don't a, think I've seen him in anything since he, then. He's done a bunch of like indie comedies, and um, he has another one coming. It was up. like he did Into the Wild, and they were like, "This guy's great." And then he did this, and they were like, "Oh, never mind. We were wrong." Into the Wild is great. Um, he did a movie with Paul Rudd that was an indie comedy called Prince Avalanche, and it's about two guys who are asphalt. Um like they pave asphalt on on the side of the road and it's just them like sounds thrilling they're making quips and they're making jokes and it's just a charming paul rudd comedy with with emile hirsch as his crazy brother-in-law oh i do love paul rudd he is charming yeah he really is and he's found the fountain of youth he has but emile hirsch is not a funny actor he's he has no comedic timing like like He's supposed to be the straight man He just kind of smolders. He True. just does the smolder the whole time. And it's like, that's not... It's also Speed Racer's a kid. You know, he's yeah. supposed to be a kid. He's supposed to be like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And he's not supposed to be in love with his mom. Right. Yeah. It like, always just felt like huge, Speed Racer and his mom were about to bang. Yeah. Huge Oedipus complex. On they had spe- too many scenes alone in his bedroom. Yeah, okay. It was always in his bedroom. Right, I I, I just realized that now. <laughs> because I was like, they could have easily done this on the couch or in in the car. But it's always in his bedroom. It's always in his bedroom. And it's always like her hand is on his shoulder and they're making eye contact. And her top button is like moments from bursting at the seams. <laughs> the, the, the Oedipal complex on speed. Yeah. There was more chemistry between, between him and Susan Sarandon than there was between him and Christina Ricci. Now, that's a better movie. Like like a young race car driver falling in love with an older woman. Like almost like a Bull Durham. Like she was in Bull Durham, but like mm-hmm. kind of like that. Don't make it a kid's movie and don't call it Speed Racer, but he's a young race car driver. And she's like the surrogate mother figure who... Why does he need to be a race car driver? I don't... Just put them in a movie where they have sex. It doesn't need to... Doesn't need to be anything like Speed Racer. Well, everything in this movie is all kisses and hold, uh, hand holding. Like, yeah, lots of yeah. Um, and at at the beginning, when when Rex is like, "Oh my God, it's a bomb!" when when the, he's driving his little go kart thing with a uh, Modern Family Girl, mm-hmm. with Ariel Winter. Oh, Ariel and, Winter! And he's like, "It's a bomb!" because you hear the ticking. I would have loved for for him to do what everything he did. And then, uh, so he basically takes the bomb, puts it on the go-kart, breaks off the handle of a mop, and uses it to floor the car backwards, and then it explodes. I would have loved for nothing to happen, and then it just turns out it's a clock. <laughs> just to say thank you for winning I the race. I overreacted. I am I'm so. Sorry. And that's why he leaves home, because he <laughs> clearly has anger management issues. <laughs> Also, you never really see Susan Sarandon in, in the scenes with Rex. Right. No, you don't, really. So. 
So he clearly was not the favorite son in her eyes. Right. But John Goodman, on the other hand, every every look on his face is like, this is to make up for the Flintstones. I, I feel like you can compare this movie to the Flintstones in you that truly sort could. of... Pretty much every movie that they've tried to make modern day out of those classic beloved cartoons, I have enjoyed because I enjoyed those cartoons, but anybody who has no relationship to them could not care less. Like Halle Berry and the guy from Twin Peaks. Kyle MacLachlan. Made no sense in that movie. Okay, so her character's name is Sharon Stone, and that was supposed to be played by Sharon Stone. Oh, was it? And she Miss Stone? She dropped out to be in The Specialist with Sylvester Stallone. Gross. And in John Goodman, to this day, they ask him what movie he's more, you know, disappointed in, this or Flintstones, and he still says this. I am shocked that he hates this movie more. Well, here's the deal. I think that if you put my kids in front of this movie and you put my kids in front of the Flintstones, I think my kids would enjoy the Flintstones more. And so if you make it as like a what the target audience was, like was it a good movie for them? No. I think that the Flintstones is a better kids movie than Speed Racer is. True. Although the Flintstones also deals with bizarrely adult issues yeah, like adoption and embezzlement and but this issues one, with your mother-in-law. and th- But this one is more, you know, um, corporate sponsorship right. and back, back alley deals and how fast you can put a card together. And then uh, surprisingly playing Leonard Skinner while a monkey and a boy <laughs> just drive through. Well, like, I get the idea that even a kid's movie, adults are going to be taking their kids to see it. The adults need to like it because they're the ones paying the money to see it. But even we don't want to watch a movie about corporate embezzlement. or Like, it's... Uh, I think, lately, I think um, Peter Rabbit really understood the balance between a I, kid's movie and I an hated, adult film. I hated Peter Did Rabbit. Did you? I thought it was. I hated it so much. Oh, I liked it a lot. I, My kids loved it. I thought it was hysterical. As someone who has a severe uh, allergy, I I found that scene when they try and kill him with a blackberry incredibly offensive. Do you really oysters? I am I am really badly allergic to oysters. But that one thing ruined the whole movie for you. As someone who's had to inject himself with an epipen, I, I it, it, yeah, it really upset me. All right. Because when your throat's closing up and you think you're about to die and then you have to take like a giant crochet needle and like jab it through your leg. Yeah. Also, I don't like them trying to make Donald Gleason a bad guy because he's just so handsome. I do love him. He's the best. He's wonderful. Well, he's a bad guy in Star Wars, too. As Space Hitler? Yes. He's a terrible guy in that movie. He's awful. And he's good at it, though. Yeah, but... He's one of those cute actors who's terrifying when he's evil because he's cute. You know what I mean? Like scary babies. You know? <laughs> like Sprittle. Like, oh, he's so cute in real life, and now it's just like, it, it's like an aberration. <laughs> like, you've taken how cute they are and turned it into something horrible, and it makes it so much creepier. <laughs> you know what I mean? How did we get from Peter Rabbit, uh, from Speed Racer to Peter Rabbit? Through the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I I just, okay. Getting back to the movie. Yeah. 
the villain is great, but he doesn't have enough villain time. Cause he they... doesn't. There are too many villains in this movie. Yeah, and, and when they try and make Rain's character a villain out of nowhere, like, oh, well, I just did this so that my dad could have a deal. Yeah. Like... It doesn't make sense. Too many moving parts to this movie. I I honestly wish they kept it kind of superficial. Keep it superficial. Keep it simpler. But I'm glad they didn't do the 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 whole farting like like even Scooby Doo does like they settle for like doing fart humor. I'm glad they didn't do that with Spurtle and the monkey. Oh God, yeah, no. Be, like when they eat all that candy, you I'm just glad hear... they didn't make them too slapstick. They didn't. They yeah, they didn't turn them into like bad American comedy. They kept them right. the adorable little anime foil that they right. were supposed to be. But I'm I'm glad when they eat all that candy, you just you don't hear a. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but that scene does upset me when they're on their sugar high and they're listening to Freebird as they drive their little go kart thingy through. Um. Uh, not not Tim Curry's, Roger Allen's, Javert's, you know. Factor. I love him. I love them both, and it offends me that you're equating the two. They both have lovely attributes. Oh, I'm sorry, David. Roger Allen could never. Oh no, he could be Frankenfurter. That'd be pretty better. great. That'd be pretty great. How'd you do, I? He should see do that now. Met my... Oh, he'd be so good as the narrator too. If I might, let's just have him take. Tim, I think he is a an apt individual to carry the torch for Tim Curry now. That Tim Curry. Is well, on, so honestly, sad. the way he treats Speed Racer is the way that Tim Curry treated Rocky Horror. Like he, in the beginning, when he likes him. Yes, you're he, right. He's like, "Oh, how'd you do, Speed?" <laughs> you're very right. And and then and like then as soon as he turns on him, as soon as he, as soon I as he sleeps you, with Susan Sarandon, and I can break you just as easily. As soon as he shows any interest in Susan Sarandon, he right. snaps. That's Susan Sarandon. Yeah, making oh. British men jealous since nineteen seventy. Whenever. Okay, now I need to talk about Sparky. Okay. The You're guy obsessed with Sparky. He serves no purpose. He serves no purpose. I don't even remember him from the he cartoon. He does not need to be there at all. Was he in the cartoon? I probably. But I don't think he was Australian. Pro- definitely not. Why would an anime have an Australian guy? <laughs> oh, don't worry, Pops. I, uh, I fixed your old didgeridoo. <laughs> there were a lot of English and Australian <laughs> people in this movie. How to speak mechanic. Faustus. <laughs> <laughs> I I just would have loved it if if John Goodman just looked at the camera and just went, you know, we could have got an American actor, and I asked Lana and Lily, and they said nope, because <laughs> they've casted this guy in three other movies. Oh, uh, and in both movies, they don't have him lose his Australian accent. I mean, he's fine. There's no reason for him to not have an Australian accent. He just there's sort of no reason for him to be in the movie at all. Know who would have been good as Speed Racer? Who? Jim Sturgis from Across the Universe. Oh, he that's was... a good idea. He really kind of looks a lot like right. Hirsch, huh? He does. But he also has, he can be funny because yeah. this was like a year after um, Across the Universe. Mm. He would have been fantastic. He would have been so good as Speed Racer. But no, we have to get mopey, sad, girl next door, Emile Hirsch. Yeah, he's very sad. 
every line he has, I just want to punch the screen. And I own this movie. <laughs> but I didn't pay a lot for it. Good. good. Um, That's oh, good. And, and one of... Okay, so you have all of the different racers. You have Snake Oiler, who is the kid from Say by the Belt, the new class. And Babysitter's Club, the movie. And then you have one guy who I kept thinking it was John Lovitz. Do you know which guy I'm talking about? No. There was one guy who who um uh in in the road race he he was um I think he was part of Snake Oiler's team, but he had like this John Lovitzy looking face, and every time I saw him I was like, Yeah, no. <laughs> Will you shut up? <laughs> So long, milkmaids. <laughs> like, I would have loved John Lovitz from A League of Their Own, like, as any of the villains in this movie. As that guy. Right, right. Because that guy is supposed to be, like, Snake Oiler's, like, second in command. Right. And he has lines like, I'll get you. And just replace him with John Lovitz. Mm-hmm. That would have been fantastic. It would have been great to just see a lot more humor injected into the film in general. Because why would you have... Two very serious directors who their previous films, one is about two closeted lesbians having a love affair and it being taboo that they have to murder one of the guy's husbands. Then they go from that to making a movie about us living in a fake reality and machines ruling the world to this kid's movie. Yeah. They should have gone like full adult movie with it if they wanted to go full adult movie. Because this it. is PG, like, you right? You need to pick what you're gonna do. This is PG. I would assume. Yeah. Um, they should have. Yeah. Either you need to do that thing where you're like, yeah, I get that this was a kids movie, but we're gonna make it this really serious adult movie, or you need to make it a kids movie. And I would have. They I, don't know how to make a kids movie. I, I would think have, that's clear. You, you needed someone different, like. Edgar Wright would have been great for this, mm-hmm. um, but he was too busy doing Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which... I feel like somewhere between this movie and the terrible live-action Seuss movies, somewhere between those two but is where this should have been. who would you get to do that? I like, have no idea. Like, who would have been good enough at the... Uh, maybe, maybe like a James Gunn? I feel like James Gunn really would have, yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Or, I think I, that's the kind of humor that really would have done this well. Or, or Edgar Wright. I just like that we've really hit a point in cinema where we're using a lot of that sort of humor that we see in Deadpool and Guardians of the Galaxy where... It's like there are aspects to this that are ridiculous and we're not going to hide them and we're not going to change them. We're just going to literally call it out all the time. And I, I love that. I understand what they were trying to do with this because this was Warner Brothers and this was the time when they were doing Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and all of their movies were making money if they had a serious tone to them. Mm-hmm. But then two weeks be- or a week before, Iron Man came out, had heart, had humor, and it just flipped it on its head. Yeah. It changed everything. Right. So maybe if they released this movie when Iron Man was released and Iron Man came out a week after, this movie may have done better. Mm-hmm. But honestly, at times, if you can look past, you know, the great visuals and the really... I think this movie was nominated for, for costume design. It's a good movie to see once. 
but if you see it again, actually, I I can't say that because this summer leading up to this, I watched this at least like three or four times to to prepare. That's very for... unfortunate for you, Scott. I'm sorry. Now That's I understand I'm... why you didn't want to finish. <laughs> I made it two hours, um, but everything about this movie makes sense to a normal person, but to me, a nostalgic disheartened 30 something mm-hmm. this movie is just destroying my childhood because i loved speed racer as a kid loved it every morning before school bowl of cocoa puffs speed racer oh see i wasn't that big of a i i didn't dislike it i just wasn't like i didn't watch it all the time but this i mean if it wasn't for John, if John Goodman wasn't in this movie, if sultry Susan Sarandon, they should have just. It should have been Rip Torn. <laughs> Rip Torn would have fit more with the way that they went with this movie. Ah, oh, kid, you think you can do these things? You think you can race the world? It doesn't work like that. We're not on an intergalactic kegger. <laughs> You just you need to be one of those actors who can handle the serious stuff but can do can be funny and can have heart but not the kind of heart that it's like Well, John Goodman's fight intense. scene his fight scene is fantastic. It's hysterical. When he picks the guy up and just spins him over his head. Yep. Like that's the cartoony humor. Yes. But he's so serious while they're doing it because this movie is bipolar comedy. Like yep. like the fight scene with Speed, he's seriously like fisticuffs and he's angry and it looks like a Batman movie. It looks like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie. Right. Then Sparky comes in and he's like, what? Huh? And it right. turns into Scooby-Doo. It does. Like. The ugh. movie doesn't know what it wants to be. It truly doesn't. And yeah, the Wachowskis, they're great directors. They made three fan. They made a franchise. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't make this a franchise. This this could have easily been a great franchise. Mm-hmm. This could have been a Guardian-style franchise. Right. But there are just way too many cogs in the air. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you actually love about... You already mentioned the, the, the uh, you know production design. Is there any performance you truly loved in this movie? Roger Allen. Besides him, any of the main characters loved, L- not really tolerated. They were liked. fine. I, I think they were all fine. Okay, anyone who, in your opinion, gave a good performance of the the main actors. Oh no, I broke David. I don't. I don't think so. I, I'm just gonna stick with Roger so, Allen. <laughs> okay, so that's my point. When a movie's called Speed Racer, you are supposed to either like Speed Racer or Racer right. X. When neither one of them is likable right and like, i think that but i think that's why i'm such a big fan of roger allen's performance is because it was a live action interpretation of that anime villain it was still that sort of like clipped talking and really intense and really out there and very like snidely whiplash kind yeah, of bad guy when they introduced him and and he the jet turbine engines on right and he smiles and pancakes right like 
that's great. And then when he turns on a dime, that's fantastic. And he does that very anime style talking that you need to do what I want to do, or you know that I'm going to beat you, and you are never and going then to you win. you have Emil Hirsch is over here, and he's like, but you gotta understand, I right. watch this with my... The intensity is killed the minute Emil Hirsch says anything. <laughs> I just can't sign that contract. I'm so sorry. I just feel like they were like, Emil, this is like anime-style dialogue. You need to be, like, pick up the pace. Yeah. Ugh. I mean... I do have fun when I watch this movie. It is a fun, like if you cut out the the hour or the forty five minutes of the actual dialogue part of the plot and just replaced it with like the the car races and the goofy, you know, in between scenes. I think this would have been a better movie. Yeah, there were way too many heart to hearts in this movie. You need one. They right. had seven. They had way too many. I was waiting for the scene where... Speed Racer's such a downer. He's so... Ugh, He's like... Mopey. Eeyore. Yeah. I'm probably gonna go kill myself. The whole movie is like pep talk after pep talk to try to get Speed Racer to seem less suicidal. I'm just gonna crash my car. No, Speed. Gary Busey style. I'm going to give you a speech about how great you are and how no, you should never give up. I'm giving up. <laughs> I don't know if that's my Eeyore impression or my Emil Hirsch. Hi, it's me, Emil Hirsch. <laughs> I don't want to be here doing this movie. I'm just upset I didn't get the Oscar. Where's my car? <laughs> and the fact that, like, if you watch the behind-the-scene footage of this stuff, the cars, they never fully built the car. They just built that little, like, cockpit that they had, and it's just, like, a green box around them. Yeah. So he's in, he's the equivalent of a child playing make-believe because he's in a green cardboard box just going, <laughs> This movie is... To be fair, that's a lot of films nowadays. <laughs> But I, honestly, I'm just saying that I would have preferred to see the the green cardboard box <laughs> like, rather than the actual car. I just want to watch Emil Hirsch in front of a green screen for a few hours. Oh, what he did after this, he made Bonnie and Clyde, the remake of Bonnie and Clyde. He played he played Clyde Barrow. Who was Bonnie? Christina Ricci? No, I think it was Nellie Dormer from Game of Thrones. Ah. Uh, or one of the Game of Thrones girls was in it as as Bonnie. But Emil Hirsch, he has talent. Not for this kind of film, though. Yeah, I mean, you can't... Th- this is my point. This is why I don't understand when, like, people are nominated for Oscars. Like, the next movie they get is usually a marvel movie or dc movie like after heath ledger was nominated big enough to throw a bunch of money at him right after heath ledger was nominated for brokeback mountain he got the dark knight and then after emil hirsch was getting all these award nominations for into the wild he got this Mm -hmm. and it happens all the time um mickey rourke iron man 2 like it just happens and you're right i don't get it after Birdman, 
Michael Keaton got Spider-Man Homecoming, but yeah. he was fantastic in that. Oh, he was so good. Oh, I loved that movie. Yeah, and, and Heath Ledger was great as the Joker. Mm-hmm. My point is Emil Hirsch, you know. It's like they're trying to add some street cred. Yeah, like like these movies are good because we have Oscar-nominated actors. Right. But maybe they, they pick the right ones usually too, though. Usually, yeah, which I, is good. I just, the ones who can have fun and let loose a little bit. I still think that 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 this movie could have been so much better than it was. It could have been. And I usually ask people with the summer flops, "Are you shocked this movie tanked?" No. It it's it's not surprising. They spent way too much money on on cgi backgrounds for everything and too much money on the production on the pr budget and it doesn't have any heart the whole storyline is about heart but you never feel it yeah oh when john goodman's like have a seat may i talk to you before you run away from your family forever (laughs) yeah like he's so nonchalant his son's about to leave the family forever in the same way that his other son left right before he died and he and he does it like like uh exit interview of a job like let's have a chat may you have a seat best of luck in your endeavors let's talk don't try to make me stay i won't hey so i love you bye (laughs) and then (laughs) that speech is just like you know i was in the same position 18 years ago with your brother and I made the mistake of telling him to get the hell out. And it's all stuff we've already rehashed earlier in the film. Like, literally everything he talks about is stuff we already knew. I would have loved, like, the cinema sin guys or, like, like the nostalgia critic just to walk in frame and be like, We know this already! We already know! Move on! There was already enough exposition in this film. So, it's not surprising. Like, I would have preferred Speed to lose the race. Yeah, why does he need to win? And like him coming second, point. right? And 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 it just be like, oh well, I'll get him next time. And then like, right? They probably knew they weren't going to get a sequel, so they're like, let's just have him win the race. We have to make him win. We are not going to get another chance. <laughs> why do they sound like hobos in your world? We got to do this. <laughs> so as we reach the end, how many bagels do you give this clunker? Out of how many? Thirteen. Baker's dozen. Um, see, the, the it would have been higher when I got here, but then you, you just pull out all of the terrible that I hadn't quite noticed before. Um, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> three. I'm gonna say three. Three bagels are left. Are you taking out three bagels and leaving? No, 10? I'm leaving three. Okay. I'm leaving three as well okay there's a lot wrong with this movie but those three those three race scenes are are why i'm leaving them in because they're really impressive and it's not the kind of movie where you're like why would they ever make this movie because you can see why they should there's like there's such a hint in there of and i think it's in the cinematography and in in those race scenes um not the second one the first race scene and the street racing Right. Yes, those two are so well done. Um, And you can see where this movie could be really great. Oh. They just didn't do it. Yeah, and then they add in like a random cameo from Richard Roundtree, who is Shaft. Right. Yes, that was strange. Why was he there? 
because I what, got it. It was it was it was a valuable character, but, but it was strange that it was what, him. Yeah, what? Like that's, they utilized their talent in really weird ways. That's like the role you would have given to like you know Sam Jackson or Forrest Whitaker, right? Like Richard Roundtree. I only know him because I love black exploitation films and I love Shaft. Mm-hmm. No, no nine-year-old kid is gonna, they're gonna be like oh look it's richard roundtree <laughs> <laughs> well that would that that was me as a child but just everything about this movie was wrong and it just felt off they made a lot of bad decisions so we have come to the end of summer flop busters we did summer flops all summer long and with you here i just want to go through uh some of the movies that were my favorite and just okay. try and explain the plot. So Haley and I did A Little Princess. That was one of my favorite ones to watch. Aww. That movie was great. But I have a VHS version of A Little Princess that was made by like a publishing house that's like actually true to the the book. And Maureen Lipman is Miss Minchin. And um, her little assistant there is played by the woman who's the 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 plants teacher in Harry Potter. Oh, uh, Marion Margulies. Yes, and I love it so much, and I love that Miss Minchin, and she's so English and wonderful well, that I can't stand the Miss Minchin in the, the U.S. film version. Well, that she is a British actress. Is she? Why is she not doing an she English in accent? A, she was in The Beatles' Help. I didn't like her at all. She was also in, uh, she used to be in a ton of uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook movies. Oh, well, I didn't, I don't like her. And Miss Minchin's my favorite because I'm all about the bitches. <laughs> um, and we also did Buckaroo Banzai. I had Lee Martin on and we did Buckaroo Banzai. I have not seen that. Peter Weller, RoboCop, plays Buckaroo Banzai, who is a rock star, yeah. brain surgeon, oh. astrophysicist, right. physicist, right. mathematician, and liaison to the president. And he fights crime go. with his with his rock band. Lock and up Jeff your daughters, ladies. Wow. That what is... was that, sweetie? I said lock up your daughters, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh. And Jeff Goldblum's in it. Oh, Goldblum. And John Lithgow. Oh, I love John and Lithgow. And Christopher Lloyd. See, I like all of these people. The movie was but great. But that movie sounds ridiculous. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it, okay. It's great. But it opened the same day as Ghostbusters. Oh, uh, no chance. <laughs> yeah. And then some of the ones that were awful to sit through, Waterworld. With I like Waterworld. Have you seen it lately? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Haley and I sat through Nerve with Dave Franco and Emma Roberts. I've never seen that movie. Oh, Ace- wait a minute. No, yes, I did see that movie. That's the one with like the internet encourages you to do dangerous crap, right? Yep. Yeah, I liked that movie. That movie was awful. Oh, I liked it. It's it's so bad that it's good. Right. And Emma I, Roberts isn't really in good stuff. But I said it, the movie would have been better if they replaced her best friend, who is kind of the villainy woman, uh-huh. with Jennifer Coolidge as her character. <laughs> Oh, come on. You just need to live a little. Because the actress who plays her, she's 
Sydney is the character's name. She's just muddling all of her dialogue through yeah. it. And she's like, come on, you have to just have some fun for once. I was like, replace her with Jennifer Coolidge. It was one of those movies that you just kind of watch and just sort of take it in. Nothing, nothing, nothing to get out of it. You just kind of watch it happen. I got more out of the, the summer flop busters this summer season than I did of the movies that actually came out in theaters. Because this year was a really bad year for summer movies. It was... um, I don't know. I saw Mamma Mia too, so... <laughs> that made me mad. That was the only movie I saw in theaters that this summer. That made me mad. That movie it made went... you mad? When I found out the twist. What's the twist? I... That she's dead? Yes. Oh. Yeah, but she's in it. But that still made me mad. Well, see, my thing was, I I thought it was cool that it felt like from the spoilers, very beginning of the, the movie. Yeah, spoilers coming. Um, from the very beginning of the movie, it felt like we couldn't get anyone back. So all we got was Amanda Seyfried, and we're just going to try to troop on. But then everybody comes back. It feels like one of those movies where we couldn't get anybody to do the sequel. But, but then they all Meryl come back, and it's great. wanted to come back. She yeah. wanted to be in the whole movie. And she the... did. But... Yeah. They needed to... Did you see it? No. Oh, okay. They really needed to flush out the plot line with Cher way more than they did. Oh, hey, it's my granddaughter. Because it was a good plot line, but you didn't know it. Like, you need... I read about her entire plot line before I saw the movie, and that's the only reason I knew anything about it, because they clearly cut everything out. She just shows up, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yes! And it's like, "Mm, you probably should have talked about this a little bit more. Hey, it's me, your grandma. Wow. Oh my god, guys, it's Cher! But I had more fun watching these summer flops of movies that tanked than going to the movies to see summer movies. What else came out this summer? I I missed Jurassic World because... Oh yeah, I didn't see that. Everybody hated it. But I saw Incredibles 2. Didn't see that. I didn't mind Solo. Solo wasn't terrible. Mm -hmm. Deadpool 2 was fantastic. Wonderful movie. Um... The biggest summer movie that didn't even come out in summer, two weeks before summer, was Infinity Wars. Right, which I have not finished yet. I saw... I've gotten halfway through it. I saw mainly the indie films this season. I saw Nick Offerman's indie movie that he did, Hearts Beat Loud. Oh, I love him. I need to see that. He starts an indie band with uh, his daughter, played by Kiersey Clemens, from... um, What would you know? Did you see uh, Neighbors 2? Did you see... I think I did. Did you see Dope? No. She, uh, you would, you would recognize her if you saw her, but the indie films were better this year. Yeah. But with these flops, I got to re like feel the joy that I got to watch. Like when I saw them in theaters, like last action yeah. hero was my favorite movie to do mm-hmm. besides speed racer with you. Oh, <laughs> you're like, don't touch me. That's okay. You're fine. You can leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but last action hero, I saw that in theaters. And watching it again was just great. Yeah. You, have you seen Last Action? I have not. Arnold Schwarzenegger in a meta movie. He's playing a character named Jack Slater, who is the the main Wait character. Wait a minute. I've seen this. I think I've seen this. Yeah. Who is the main character in, in an Arnold Schwarzenegger franchise called Jack Slater. And this kid goes into the movie and brings him out. Like, yeah, I've totally seen this movie. That was so much fun watching this summer. And then I got to watch a, a summer flop with my dad. We did uh, Dr. Seuss's The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. I have no idea what that even is. Hans Conried, who was Captain Hook and Peter Pan, 
plays this villain, this foppish character named Dr. T, which is Dr. Trewilliger. Okay. This is Matt Groening's favorite movie of all time. And the main character's name is Bart. Uh-huh. And the, the villain is Dr. T, Dr. Trewilliger, like Sideshow Bob Trewilliger. Mm-hmm. And his whole, the whole movie takes place inside this kid's dream. The kid falls asleep at the piano and he has this dream that Dr. T wants to marry his mom, enslave him, and get like 500 boys to get 5,000 fingers to play his giant piano that he has in his house. And this is Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss is the only movie that he ever wrote the music and wrote the screenplay for. This is incredibly bizarre. And as I told... I don't get high, but I feel like I need to get high and watch that movie. I wouldn't, because it's way too weird. It's already weird. Yeah. But I told... my On the podcast, I told this story. So when they were making the movie, it was so hot in the soundstage that one of the 120 boys got sick and vomited and it just started a chain reaction oh. that filled two sound stages. No. So, like, like doing the research on these movies was so much fun for the yes. summer movie. But I think finishing it off with Speed Racer was just, like, the perfect way to do it because this movie lost so much money and mm. it's the reason... This is the movie that I started Summer Flopbusters for. This is the movie that I wanted to cover... Mm-hmm. That's why I waited till the end, and that's why I asked uh, you, because you're one of my favorite people in the world, uh, and I thought that so you would nice. be more funny. Well, <laughs> just you joking. win some, you lose some. Oh, I was hoping that you were going to say your joke. What joke? Don't tell me how to do my Oh, show. yeah. Well, too late now. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, the main reason why I had you on the podcast is A, I have so much fun with you when when we watch these and when we break down the stuff. When we did Quantum Leap, when we did the Golden Girls, I was like, he's the only person I can have end this summer movie season with. Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. Okay, so you're sending the check in the mail? Yeah, right. Okay. So we've come to the end, David. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, is there anything you would like to plug? Um, I'm I'm gonna be in doubt. Oh my in god! In the fall. Yeah. You're playing Father... I'm playing Father Flynn. You're playing Meryl Streep? <laughs> I get to... Yeah, I'm playing Meryl Streep. In I will fight you. You will lose. <laughs> um, Yeah, in the fall in Ashby. Wow. You know, the the hub of central Massachusetts. Um, you get to, I don't want to make fun of Ashby. It's a lovely, lovely town. You get to play Philip Seymour Hoffman's role. I do. At at a time when everybody is uh, talking about that scandal again because of what happened in, in Philadelphia. It, and it, Yeah, it's great. Um, but you get to deliver that really great monologue at the, to open up the play. Yeah. The, the, this show has a lot of really great, great material in it. It's, it's a beautiful piece. Do you, have you already picked out how you're going to play him? Um, Are you going to be that cool reverend who's like, let's rap, and you're going to turn the chair around? <laughs> you know who'd make I this don't even think better? That's me. <laughs> you know who'd make this even better? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think I think it's just most important that you make sure that um, it, it's it's balanced well, and it never feels your audience can never say, yeah, he definitely did it. 
or no, he definitely didn't. I think that's sort of the biggest. You have to find... You a have balance. To, yeah, you have to find a balance, and you have to understand each and every reason why he's coming across the way that he is. Um, and you guys got Viola Davis? We did, yeah. She's she's on retainer. Um, no. um, That's how you get everyone. We are, yeah. This week we're casting Mrs. Muller and Sister James, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I remember, like, long ago you've always wanted to do this play and you always wanted to do a gender reversal oh i just would love to play sister aloysius yeah, yeah. i nobody else needs to be gender reversed i just need to be sister aloysius someday uh so david thank you and uh i'll, I'll put in the the liner notes of this you know when that's going up and where thank you no problem you're the best Ah, you're the best. Oh, you are. I said you are. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Um, so you guys can follow us on Twitter at writer w r t r bagel b a g e l basket b s k t. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Email us writersbagelbasket at gmail dot com. There's a lot of great podcasts that you should be listening to besides this one. There's Rock Candy with Maggie and Ashley. Um, there is Jukebox Zeros with our good friend Lee Marden and our other good friend Patrick Berry. And, of course, one of my favorite podcasts out there, Old Men Yell at Cloud. <laughs> and that is all I'll say. <laughs> so, until next time, I'm Scott Kerland. And I'm David Prescott. Bye. Hey guys, if you like listening to us, um, you can follow us on Twitter or email us. Follow us on Twitter at writer, W-R-T-R, bagel, B-A-G-E-L, basket, B-S-K-T, on Twitter, or email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to do. Submit fan art. Submit a logo. Do anything, because we want to hear from you. And if you have show suggestions, email them.